Morning, everybody. Uh, as you may be able to feel, the air conditioner is not working. So if you're at home, crank down that air. Uh, we have a part missing, so Tasha and I decided to issue our robes for this morning. Pray that we do not get any hotter. Um, and so hopefully the air conditioning will be sorted out by next week. That's really my only announcement for you this morning. So thanks to the air conditioner for giving me something to talk to you about before we begin worship. So with that in mind, let us prepare our hearts for the worship of Almighty God. to worship for this morning comes from Isaiah 61. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you this day with adoration and praise on our hearts and a song on our lips as we enter this sanctuary, this holy place. May we feel the work of your Holy Spirit in us, among us, moving through us. It is in your holy name that we pray. Amen.
one of the many names we give to Jesus Christ is Savior. He saves us from our sin. And so it is with confidence and trust that we confess that sin before him. Let us pray together. It is printed in your bulletin. Great and holy God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. On this sacred day, we confess we have failed to live as people of grace and hope. We have nursed grudges, harbored ill will, and exchanged gossip. Further, we have failed to embrace the truth of the promises of Jesus Christ in our lives or for your world. Forgive us this day, we pray, and wash us once more in the waters of grace, truth, and love. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I offer to you again the good news of Jesus Christ. For he came into this world to save the world, not to condemn it, but to save it. Not to condemn you, but to save you. Know that because of his grace and work in your life, you are forgiven of your sin. And now you are called to be people of peace. Amen. Let's sing to God's glory. meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as August dawns, that means a new sermon series dawns along with it. We spent the beginning of the summer looking at the very beginning of the Bible, and so we will spend the end of the summer looking at the very end of the Bible. We have read the Bible like most of us read our novels, the beginning and the end, skipping the middle. So we will go to the end here and we will read Revelation 21 verses 1 through 8. But before we do that, we are going to read from the prophet Isaiah some very familiar words which we'll, we will hear echoes of in the Revelation passage. So we'll start with Isaiah 11, 6 to 9. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the wean child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
and now Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'm going to start this morning with a question, answer it internally. I doubt you're going to want to shout out the answer to this question. When was the last time you cried? Like, I don't mean like a tear running down the cheek. I mean full-on crying. When was the last time that you cried? As I was writing this sermon, I started to think about that for myself, and the best I can recall is the last time I cried, cried, was somewhere around 2011. Like, that's not great, right? That's not ideal. It shouldn't really go that long between crying. But I was raised in this culture, and from a very early age, I learned something important about boys and that is, we do not cry, right? We do not cry. And so I wondered to myself, if I was some sort of outlier in this way, am I one of the few who has like fully embraced this idea that under no circumstances should I ever cry? And so I did what everybody does in those situations. I Googled it and I found a study from 2017 about crying in America. What did anybody have to cry about in 2017? And here's what I found. So this study found that the average American woman cries between 30 and 64 times per year. The average American woman. The average American male cries between 5 and 17 times per year five times. Their lives must be awful. Five to 17. There is a massive gap in our country in the ways in which males and females express sorrow, the amount of times that we cry. Now, before I go further, I want to make something clear because I'm going to talk about emotions quite a lot in this sermon. What I am not talking about are mental health conditions. This is not a sermon 
about those who need medication to get through serious mental health conditions. This is not that. This is, though, a sermon about how we process the difficult things that happen in every life. So, that's my disclaimer. Now, here's what I've noticed as a pastor. I have noticed that whether we cry a lot or whether we don't, we repress almost all of our negative emotions and feelings in our society. Almost everything is to be buried, battened down, locked up, thrown away the key. Under no circumstances should we ever show that we are having a difficult time. I've done quite a few funerals in my life, and when I do a funeral, I meet with the family beforehand, and we talk about the person that has been lost as I prepare for the funeral. And oftentimes during this conversation, people will become emotional as they talk about their mother or their daughter or their sister or their spouse. And when they become emotional, this is almost always what they do. They apologize. They start to cry as they think about this person that they have lost, and then they say, I'm sorry. I, of course, am not crying at the time because, as Tasha says, my tear ducts have completely sealed. But the first thought that people have in a moment where they start to show genuine grief is that they should apologize for it. It's interesting. It's interesting, too, when we go to the hospital. You've been in the hospital lately, and you see the little dry erase boards that are in front of the bed. You know those boards? Can you picture it in your head? And what's on the bottom of that board? Can you think about it? It's that little series of 10 smiley face emojis, right? And that's your pain scale. And so zero is very bad, or 10 is very bad. Zero is like the big happy smiley face, which like how could you ever possibly get there in the hospital? Like why is that even on there? And yet there it is. And the goal is to get us as close to that end as possible. I remember hearing a story from a friend who had surgery in Germany. I can't remember who it was. It could have been one of you that told me. But they had surgery in Germany. And the next day, the doctor came in and said, how are you feeling? And the person who was American said, well, I'm in quite a bit of pain, doctor. Can you do something? And they said, well, you just had surgery. Of course you're in pain. Not here, though. That would not be tolerated. We would want as much relief from our pain as we could get as soon as we could possibly get it because pain is something that must not be experienced. It must be repressed, masked, covered up. Grief, sorrow, tears, pain, these are under no circumstances things that we should allow to manifest themselves in our lives, and they are things that we should keep hidden and buried to the best of our abilities so that no one will possibly know that anything else is going on. We have a social contract in America. All of us participate in this social contract, and the contract is this. I will say to you, how are you? And you will say to me, fine. I mean, the sky could literally be falling. Your life could be collapsing. You could be having the worst day of your life, and you will say to me, fine, I'm fine. 
And if anyone deviates from that social contract, if we go up to someone and we say, how are you doing? And they start to talk about how they're really doing. What do we do? We panic. (laughs) This wasn't part of the deal. You weren't supposed to legitimately tell me that you were terrible. You were supposed to say fine. It's all constructed. It's all set up. Everything is perfectly ordered for us to make sure that we never share emotion, that we never experience emotion, and that under no circumstances does anybody outside of our closest circle of acquaintances know that anything is wrong with us. And so I wonder, then, how do we hear this passage from Revelation? How do we hear it? That passage that I read to you from Revelation 21 is the most clear articulation of how our hopes in Jesus Christ will be borne out. Nowhere else in Scripture will you find it as clearly and plainly said as this of what we are hoping for, of what all those promises are leading toward. They are leading toward this. A new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem where God will dwell with his peoples. And what will be the manifestation of God's presence? What will be the most clear sign that we are in full communion with the God whom we worship this morning? How will God minister to us on this final day of all days? God will wipe the tears from our eyes. Death will be no more. Pain and sorrow and suffering will be no more. Those are quite the promises. That's quite the image. But for us, We're like, I don't need anybody to wipe the tears from my face. I haven't cried since 2011. We work so hard to make sure that none of these things are present and none of them are manifest in our lives that I wonder how we hear a passage like this. Does it really sound hopeful or do we just skim right past it? Because we've got it all under control quite clearly. Think about it like this. This is, this is what's happening here. Have you ever given a bath to a baby? You ever done that? Ever given a baby a bath? Tasha and I did it every night for seven years, alternated back and forth. We would take turns because, God forbid, we had to do it every night. That would be awful. So we took turns. And I remember thinking... I remember thinking to myself, I was so close. Like we, bath started at 7.30, bath, book, bed, done. And I was so close to the end of the day, so close to being able to watch whatever I wanted on TV and not speak to any children. I had almost made it, and so I get them into the bath, and it's always quite the ordeal in the bathtub, trying to get them calmed down, trying to get them ready for bed. And so... When it came to washing their hair, did I just grab the Selsun Blue off the shelf? Heavens no! That would be insanity. I grabbed the Johnson & Johnson's baby shampoo. 
Why would I do that? Because right on the bottle, what does it say? No more tears. So certain are they of that that they have trademarked the phrase, no more tears. If on that last day God shows up and says no more tears, Johnson and Johnson will likely sue him. But no more tears. And so I suspect, I never tried it, but I suspect I could have taken the whole bottle and poured it on top of the kid's head and they would not have cried. And it would not have been because they were repressing their tears. It would have simply been because there were no more tears. You could pour the whole bottle on them and they're not crying. That's the promise. That's the promise we're being given in this passage. That's the promise. It's that we won't have to hide it anymore. We won't have to bury it anymore. We won't have to repress it anymore. We simply won't feel that anymore. Death will be no more. Pain and sorrow and suffering and crying will be no more. That's the promise. And so, when we think about the gospel, when we think about what it is we're doing here, when we think about the gospel, we think about two things. First, we think about the promises of God brought forth in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All those promises, among which are these. Promises of salvation, of grace, of hope, of peace, of new creation. All those promises. That's the gospel. And then the other part of the gospel is this, that upon hearing those promises and feeling them in our lives, we are transformed by them over the course of our lives. From the moment we're baptized until the moment we die, those promises work in our lives to change us. That we may draw them into the present, that we may make them manifest in the ways in which we live. And so I would say this, I would say that the nature of our repression, the ways in which we bury our sorrow, hide our tears, mask our pain, breaks that bit of the gospel. We hear the promises, but because we refuse to acknowledge that there are days and weeks and months and even years when we are not okay, that we are not transformed by this bit of the gospel. We are not changed by it. It does not impact us in the way it ought to when we hear that at the fulfillment of time, God will be before us and wipe every tear from our eyes. We are not called to hide our pain and our suffering. We are not called to repress it by not talking about it by having an extra cocktail during cocktail hour, by letting it manifest itself in other ways, because that's exactly what it does. That is not who we're called to be, and it shows a staggering disengagement from the promises that are made to us through Jesus Christ, the promises that are made in Scripture, the promises that will be fulfilled at the end of time. 
Those promises should change us. They should shape us. They should guide us. They should be a part of the way we live. Did you hear them? The home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God will be with him. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. These are the promises of our faith. And it occurs to me that as we await them, probably nothing could be more appropriate than having a good cry. Amen. The table of bread and wine is now to be made ready. This is a table of company with the poor of whom Jesus was one. This is the table of grace for the sinner for whom Jesus lived and for whom he died. This is the table of stewardship with the earth from which these gifts came. So come to this table. You who have much faith and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often and you who have not been in so long, and you who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites you to meet him here. Let's pray. Lord, we lift your name on high we lift your name all the way to heaven. And we praise and glorify you this day for your presence in this world and for your presence on that throne. We pray that through the work of your Holy Spirit, you will take this bread and this cup and that you will make it your body for us. And we pray that you will take our ordinary lives, the stuff of our every day, and you will transform it and use it for your work and will in this world. Along with the saints and the angels, we offer our prayer this day, and we commune with you and with them. It is in your name we offer it. Amen. We remember again the story of our faith that Jesus was at a table with his disciples. And there was bread on the table. He took the bread from the table, and before their eyes, he thanked God for it. And then he broke it. And he gave it to them, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, and it's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after they had had their supper, Jesus took a cup from the table. He said, this cup, it represents a new covenant. And this covenant is sealed in my own blood. So take and drink. And to this day, we follow his command. And every time we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we remember his death and we celebrate 
that he will come again. This is Christ's table, and all who love him are welcome here. We will be having the servers stand at the end of the aisles and come forward, please, from the back pews to the front, down the center aisles, and back out. All of our servers have been vaccinated. Would they please come forward, the servers? If you would feel more comfortable staying in your pew, we will come to you once the rest are served. Come, for all is ready.
As we give thanks for this meal and remember uh, our own church family, I would ask you to keep in your prayers uh, Fran Calloway, uh, who is back in the hospital. Uh, keep Fran and Bob in your prayers. Let us pray. Lord, for this communion, this bread, this cup, we give you thanks. And we pray that it will sustain and renew us, nourish us for the days to come. May this sacrament stand as a sign of the great banquet that you prepare in the kingdom of heaven. We offer our prayers this day, prayers that we know reach all the way to heaven. We offer them for your world that you have created here, Lord. We pray for all those who are concerned about fire, about flood, for those around our country and around our world who have lost their homes We pray for all those who are concerned about the virus, who are ill from the virus, and who mourn the loss of loved ones from this virus. Lord, we lift our prayers to you for these anxieties and fears and sadness. We pray for our own church family for those who are struggling this day, for those who have thought they need to keep it inside. We pray especially this day for Fran in the hospital, and we offer to you now, both aloud and in the silence of our hearts, particular people, particular situations. Lord, we pray even for ourselves. It astounds us that you call us daughters and sons, that you bring us into the family as your children. Help us to recognize our own preciousness in your sight. Help us to live as those who trust the promises you offer. We pray all these things in your holy name, as together we pray as you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We do not pass the offering plate at this time, but there is a basket following worship if you would like to give. And now let us continue our worship.
with this offering of music. Yes. 
Let us pray. Lord, for the gift of this worship, we give you thanks. For the gift of this community, we give you thanks. And for the gifts you have placed in each one of our lives, we give you thanks. Give us the wisdom and the courage to use the gifts you have given us and to use them for the healing of this world. It is in your name we pray and together say, Amen. Amen.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you.